met Narendra Modi twice, once before he became Prime Minister and again last year. And after your second meeting, where he presented you a photograph of your first meeting, you write, quote, that there was still an edge of menace about the man who, lest we forget, had his finger on a nuclear button, unquote. Why did you come away thinking that here was a leader who could do some maddening thing? Well, no, I, I didn't want to suggest in any way that he could fire off a nuclear weapon. I was just reminding my global readership that India does possess nuclear weapons. It's in a very special club, and that confers a certain responsibility. It's also next to another country, Pakistan, that also has nuclear weapons. So this is a dangerous area of the world. But I, I wanted to show that Mr. Modi, he's a very successful politician. He won the election easily. He crushed Congress. But he presents a certain brand of nationalism, and nas- what I call national populism, which is very current. And I also think that while he's both charming, he can be, have a little bit of menace. And by giving me that photograph, reminding me that the Indian government has its archive of my meeting him in Ahmedabad six years before, it's like we've got our tabs on you, Mr. Barber. Modi came to office claiming he had all the answers. The Gujarat model was tom-tommed as the panacea. Yet we have seen India slide backwards like never before, socially and economically. And I think the clock, in my opinion at least, was set back by the demonetization of currency notes in 2016. How do you read Modi's failure and India's precipitous slide, especially on the economic front? Well, it has surprised me a little bit. I think that, and I actually said this to him in the meeting, that maybe some of the business people were afraid of him and he was damaging confidence, both with the anti-corruption campaign, and let's face it, there is corruption in Indian business uh, and in the Indian economy. No question about that, and he's right to look at it. But there was a sort of chilling factor, and I was really astonished when I went to Mumbai and saw a number of business people, how they really wouldn't talk openly about the government and the government's policies. I also think there was a certain capriciousness and the demonetization that you described it may have had a good idea of the, the, the goal of getting, you know, this, this money that was sort of hidden in the economy exposed, but the consequences were much more dramatic and negative than I think the Modi government realised. What do you think is the core problem with Modi, the persona? I mean, one of the things that seems to me, at least, is that he's poorly advised. He's clearly not getting the contrary opinion. But what did you, as an independent observer, look at the situation? Because we were really financially, economically very well led by Oxford, Cambridge kind of prime minister previously. But here was a man who comes to power on the basis of 12 or 13 years of administration in Gujarat. And yet, you know, completely cocks up on every front on the economic front. And that's the real issue. So why do you think this has happened with him? Well, let me first say just one thing, which is very important. You've always got to distinguish between what's sort of happening in the government and actually what's happening on the ground. And the Indian tech sector and what's happening with the emergence of a middle class, I think is still one of the great strengths in India. And we shouldn't forget that. The second point, which you're alluding to, is you have to ask this of all strong leaders is, do they have people who will say, you're making a mistake? And are they listening? 
Because if you have such an aura and you're such a strong man, you don't necessarily always take the advice or people are afraid of speaking up. That's happened in Russia and it might be happening to a degree in India. The best leaders have strong people around them.